is it you haven't seen the god size echo? Bro, you have seen taxi drivers. Hello and welcome to another episode of FilmWise, also known as the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast. As always, I am Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. And today, myself and a guest are going to discuss a couple different movies. Uh, one that my guest has introduced for me to watch for the first time. And the other is a comic book movie that uh, I had my guest watch for the first time. And today, my guest is DJ Valentine from Simplistic Reviews. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm still waiting for an answer to my damn question. <laughs> I want to know why. <laughs> Well, we will get into that in just a moment, but uh, first off, why don't you uh, let everybody know a little bit about yourself and and where they can find you online? Um, I'm DJ Valentine, as you just said. I'm, you can find me at uh, at trying to be DJV on Twitter. Uh, I'm one of the hosts of the Simplistic Reviews podcast, where we talk everything from movies to television to sometimes uh, Justin Bieber will throw in there. Sometimes we'll talk about how Kanye is a crazy person. <laughs> we do it in a more uh, we talk, we pretty much talk about entertainment in a more uh, amusing uh, fashion, and we kind of know our stuff. I mean, I have kidnapped a Hollywood producer or two to get some information, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and you're always a, a lot of fun to listen to, and and uh, oh, everybody should definitely check that out. Um, but before we get into that, I have some questions to get to know your movie tastes a little bit better. Mm. So, so fill in the are... blank questions. Fill in the <laughs> blank questions. <But laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So, what are three films that you've seen the most often and haven't gotten tired of yet? Okay, first one, I feel like I'm in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, the first one, uh, I'd have to say is The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. If that movie's on television, uh, no matter what part it is, no matter if it's in, uh, I, I turned it on, uh, Univision, which is like the Spanish channel down here, and it was on, and I watched it still, cause it's, um, it, it's awesome. It's, I think Sergio Leone's masterpiece, and a pre- one of the best prequels of all time, Good, The Bad, The Ugly, uh, awesome. Um, movie oh raiders of the lost ark mm. I, I'm, I'm a simple man <laughs> i'm a simple man if you give me indiana jones with a fedora punching nazis with a uh, it, it's it's awesome it raiders of the lost ark i could watch at any time it, it gets me in the mood uh and uh, finally if anybody who knows me knows that my favorite christmas movie my favorite action movie one of the my, my favorite movies not my favorite movie but top three is john mf and mclean <laughs> die hard one is is amazing alan rickman i think that's his first american role mm-hmm. awesome film awesome i mean i we do a commentary on our show and it's essentially me and matt just yelling lines to each other i'm usually alan rickman and he's usually john mclean and it's sad to see how far that movie has fallen <laughs> Yeah, but I haven't seen too many uh, entries in that whole series. I I started off – it's kind of funny because I entered the series through the fourth one, and and that was just because uh, Kevin Smith has a a small role in there. And so I went in there watching that as a Kevin Smith fan first Mm. rather than a Die Hard fan. Yeah, the order is as follows. Die Hard 1, Die Hard 3, Die Hard 2 – then you can just watch Predator. <laughs> you don't have to watch anything after that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of how I went to like I've 
I, I went back and, and watched the first one uh, a couple years ago now for the first time, and, and I really enjoyed that. And then um, I was uh, a backup for Die Hard 2 for a Lambcast. And, yeah, I was on that Lambcast. <laughs> and, and I started watching that, but then I... Uh, um, but then about halfway through, I realized that I was a backup and not uh, immediately on the podcast. So I ended up turning it off about halfway through because it was like really late at night and, and never went back to it. Uh, I thought it was all right, but uh, yeah, it, it was definitely like too much of a retread of the begin of the first one. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like Die Hard 3 a little bit, just for the simple fact that it's like different stuff mm-hmm. they're doing they're doing different things die hard 2 is essentially die hard 1 in an airport because that's what the whole trope was i'm gonna make die hard in a fill in the blank a grocery store a, a boat a bus it's gonna be the same thing over and over and over again so mm-hmm. but uh, yeah die hard 1 is it's my favorite christmas movie of the year it's that and christmas story i mean i don't go for it's a wonderful life i go for john mcclain tossing hans groomer spoiler alert off the top <laughs> of nakatomi tower so yes all right and then what is your favorite movie that you've only seen once this is probably the hardest question I've ever been asked as a human being because I'm one of those guys. <laughs> no, I'm serious because I watch movies over and over, even bad movies. I've some because my job I'm required to watch a lot of films and I I've watched so many movies over and over and over again. And I was like, what movie have I only seen once that I really really like? It's a great question. And I thought about it for about I don't know 30 minutes and I was like, I think it's probably Doctor Strangelove. I've only seen that one time and I loved it. Uh, and it, I was talking to somebody at work the other day. And they, were, I think they had just seen it for the first time too. And I go, I remember growing up watching a lot of Warner Brothers cartoons, and they'd make fun of the Slim Pickens thing. And I used to laugh at it, but I never understood what the what the joke was. And then I watched Doctor Strangelove. I was like, holy crap, that's where they're getting it from. I think they even spoof it in The Mummy Returns with the pygmies falling off the log thing. And the and I, I, I did not realize it was from Doctor Strangelove. And that's Peter Sellers at, at his finest. Him, mm-hmm. you know, the the Nazi in hiding, the horrible Nazi in hiding. <laughs> It's it's such a it's such a great film and I, I and and by the this the when, end of this week that's gonna come off my list because I'm probably gonna watch it again but I just I've only seen it the one time and I and I know it's great yeah that that question it's always interesting because not only does it is it usually difficult for for people to answer but it's difficult for different reasons and you yeah. and just asking that question does tend to to bring out. Um, people's movie watching tastes uh, in in a different way because some people find the question difficult because they watch every movie repeatedly that they like mm-hmm. and then there's other people like me that they prefer watching a new movie and so their list of movies that they've only seen once you and so it's a it's difficult for a different reason so yeah um all right and i I believe that I may have asked you this the last time that you were on, mm-hmm. um, but I did not get a chance to go back and check uh, whenever I had you on, whenever we talked about the animated Batman films. Yes. But uh, what is your favorite superhero movie? Oh, uh, uh, I can't. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, Ronald Reagan. I do not recall. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I, I, if, if I didn't say this the last time, I, I was probably trying to be cute. If I did say the last time, then I'm vindicated. It, it, it's still probably Avengers for the simple fact that it was the first time I had seen anything like that. It is a, I, I don't know if I told the story before. If I did, I tell it again. I, I took my sister to see it for my second time watching it, and she's watching it. She's, you know, very girly. <laughs> not, not to be misogynistic, but she's not into like, 
uh, tights and action and all that stuff. And she's watching this movie, and she only knows comic books through what I tell her, usually. And she's watching the final sequence where Thor is riding the thing with Hulk, and she just whispers to me, this is so cool. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, right there, I was like, yeah, this is uh, this is something that I I dreamt about as a child. Thought I would never in a million years see it, and it, it was on the screen. And a lot of people now, in retrospect, give Avengers a lot of crap, and I, I don't... I don't think people appreciate, I think after time people lose their appreciation of how that movie was never ever gonna happen and it happened and we were alive to see it and it was, I mean there's probably comic book movies that are probably better written and maybe better shots but it's just that movie brings a smile, a smile on my face throughout beginning to end. I'm smiling the whole time. So Avengers, my number one. Yeah and, and, and I think it definitely has made it made an impact in cinema history for better or for worse um because it, i i really think that that movie has changed the way studios think about comic book movies and superhero movies yeah. um, but uh um so next up is if you were to write or uh, i guess podcast on uh just exclusively a narrow niche of movies like superhero movies or uh, cop movies or time travel movies or like movies that were made in 1984 what would that be oh god (laughs) i'm trying to think if i was going to be qualified to host anything that's not our potpourri of a show it'd have to be comic book movies for the simple fact i've i've read a lot of comic books in my my youth and i've seen Probably, and it's a it's a new niche, but I've seen every superhero movie I can think of. I think the the one that we're watching, I'm talking about today, was one of the few comic book movies that I had not seen. I've seen everything from Road to Perdition, uh, History of Violence. I've seen even the good and the bad. I've seen both Ghost Rider films. God bless my soul. I've seen <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them all. I've seen Blade Three. Uh, I don't believe I just acknowledged it. it's a film. Uh, <laughs> But I've seen them all, so if I was qualified, because I feel like, you know, if I'm going to be on a show and I'm talking about something, I want to talk about something I kind of know at least a modicum about, I can, like, BS my way through. Uh, (laughs) And I know comic books enough to pass. I can can get past the Nazi checkpoints with comic book movies. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I I hear you there, although I... Um, I say this to pretty much everybody, but uh, or the few people that might uh, try to challenge my throne, that uh, I've probably got you beat on the, on that front. Yeah, least. yeah, yeah. You 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 know more than me, I, but I can I can kind of like hang out at the party. Like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I can't like be the center of attention, but I could be I could be by the bar drinking a, drinking a little thing and just hang in the back. <laughs> yeah. All right, and finally. What is your currently your biggest film wise? Uh, a film that you haven't seen yet that you feel like you really should have gotten around to by now. This is we have to do a uh, a simply ashamed a segment where we admit things that we're ashamed of on our show. And uh, I just realized recently that I have I am so behind in Mel Brooks movies. I I, I feel like a traitor to my 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 everything my, as an American. And I realized, I mean, I've seen Spaceballs maybe 900 times, but that's the only Mel Brooks movie I have seen straight through. Wow. And, uh, and I know, I know, I'm ashamed of it. Uh, <laughs> so if I had to say my biggest film why, it's probably Blazing Saddles, because I, I know a lot about it, like it was Richard, written by Richard Pryor, and it, it, it's it's got Gene Wilder, and I, I know most of the stuff about it. And I've seen clips, I've just never seen it straight through, and I, I think I need to write that wrong as soon as possible, because it's probably one of the most... 
influence. I mean, you got to think of when did that movie come out? The seventies and it's the black guy, uh, uh, that humor that Mel Brooks is doing as a lead. It's, it's, it's probably a groundbreaking and I, I've mm-hmm. never seen it. And I've got, I, I know I have to get in, into watching that. And I know there's other ones like Young Frankenstein, uh, and, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, but Blazing Saddles, uh, for me, I just feel like I, of all the things I'm ashamed of, Bubba Weed, it's probably that. Yeah, I'm a big Mel Brooks fan, and, and I've probably seen most of his, his filmography, even some of his uh, his worst films, like uh, uh, I believe I saw Dracula, Dead and Loving It in theaters. <laughs> I, was, I was told not to watch that. <laughs> Stay away from Dracula, Dead and Loving It. <laughs> but yeah, he's got some amazing films, and, and I think there is still a couple that I haven't seen, which – and and Blazing Saddles is one that I need to revisit because I think the last time I saw that was was whenever I was too young to actually get any of the jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched the clip. Uh, is it the one where he holds himself hostage? I saw that clip, <laughs> and I was like, man, this is the, this this is like way ahead of its time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, Blazing Saddles has to be tops on my list. All right, well, that was great to to hear a bit more about your movie tastes. You know too much about me. You know too much about me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but now it's time to talk about the film that you had me watch for the first time, Bad Boys. We have a real situation developing. Don't be alarmed, we're Negroes. We hit something big. This was our career bust. This was, what, $100 million? Oh, my God. What the hell happened here? You you ain't with the bad guys now. You with with the cops. This is United States Marshal Kerry Stetko, over. We were wondering if we can borrow a cup of brown sugar. <sighs> you, you, something wrong with you. Oh, bad boys, bad boys. Okay, now, again, anybody who knows me, uh, even JD from In Session Film, he knows I am a huge enemy. I'm the mortal, mortal enemy of Michael Bay. But there was a time, Bubba Wee, where I loved Michael Bay. Yes, I'm admitting it on your show. I used to be one of Michael Bay's biggest fans, and it started because it's, I mean, there's The Rock, there's The Rock, Bad Boys too, but it started all with Bad Boys, 1995, uh, a movie that was supposed to star comedians uh it does star one comedian but it was supposed to star like snl comedians like uh dana carvey and john lovitz yes they were supposed to be the leads and i remember watching this in high school and it being it just of any if you told me if you were to ask me the question what's the movie you've seen the most times it's in my top five i think i watched that on a loop for an entire week <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, and I, I, when you told me you hadn't seen it, I was like, yes, you must, you must watch this movie. Just, again, just to see how far this man has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I don't know what you, th- what your thoughts about it, but I just think it's one of the, uh, it's kind of one of the good buddy cop movies. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why I kind of steered you in this direction at, at one point, because, um, this, this is also part of my just very small contribution to Black History Month and, and taking a look <laughs> at, uh, some of the, the greatest, <laughs> well, I don't know if I would call this the greatest, but at least some, uh, milestone in Black hist- in Black cinema history. And, and I think this is one of the, the early, uh, big breakout roles for Will Smith, who, yeah, who's absolutely. gone on to become 
just a megastar since then. It's, it's probably it's, it's, in the, it's probably between this and uh, Independence Day, I would say, right? right? I can't remember what came out first, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's this or Independence Day. Yeah, I think they came out at least within a year or two of each other, mm-hmm. and uh, whichever one came out first, it, it it all contributed to his to where he is now. And and I had never seen this. Um, a lot of these uh, '90s. I think I've seen more '80s action movies than '90s action movies for whatever reason. No, it's a good reason. It's a good reason. <laughs> They're better. <laughs> <laughs> They're better. <laughs> but yeah, I I enjoyed this quite a bit, even though it's it really does fall into some of those uh, bad. Uh, cop movie, buddy cop movie cliches, and it's it's one of those things where a lot of it doesn't make much sense if you no, no, kind of no. put it in a microscope. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> it's essentially uh, tra- trading places, buddy cop. Uh, very, I mean, at this point now, especially 2015, very stereotypical. But I think the whole movie stands on the crux of their relationship. Martin mm-hmm. and uh, Will Smith, uh, or Mike Lowry and uh, Marcus Burnett. Their relationship is essentially what makes that movie go. I mean, everything else happening around it, I, I, I had to scratch, I, take a minute to remember the plot of that movie when we were talking. I was like, oh yeah, isn't it like a drug dealer saw a witness? But I don't really, it does, it's not really important. It's whatever scene Martin and, and uh, Will Smith have to that makes that it's the engine of that movie Mm -hmm. and and even before watching this this movie i knew absolutely nothing about what the plot was other than it was a buddy cop movie with uh will smith and martin lawrence Mm -hmm. Uh, i i had no idea like i've i just knew a little bit just from listening to the trailer like i I don't even a lot of times i don't even watch the trailers Mm -hmm. i I just uh listen to them because i use them for the the clips for them for the show ahead Mm -hmm. of time but yeah i i didn't know anything about the the whole drug bust or the the witness i knew taya leone was in it (laughs) i didn't i didn't know what role she played yeah she uh it's funny, when I first saw that movie, I kind of like liked her, and then I watched it recently, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> not sure I like Taylor Leone that much. <laughs> and it does suffer, I mean, it, it, again, it, when I say it revolves around those two, the, the, one of the main weaknesses of that movie is that the villain is just essentially uh, fill-in-the-blank cardboard cutout villain. I think it's the guy mm-hmm. from the, pa- the Patriot and La Femme de Quita. Good luck pronouncing his name. Chicheco something? I forget his name. <laughs> he's a French guy. Uh, he's so, he is so just one-dimensional. You never really know what his deal is. Uh, it's just, he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. He's there, he shows up, he starts something, and that's it. <laughs> and it's like, what, whenever you kind of think about his motivations... That's where things start falling apart because he's after this witness, and at first that would make sense, but mm. then once the cops know his identity and know what they're going on about, then having her as a witness is really pointless. Pointless. You don't need her anymore. <laughs> because if if he kills her, then they still know. Then they have, they've got. Then they're witnesses to her death. <laughs> That's not how police work goes, Bubblewood. You can't just let witnesses die to fix your case. (laughs) 
but no, no, you're right. He, his, his motivations are, I mean, all I remember him saying is you're messing with my timetable. That's like the best <laughs> scene he has in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and I also think it's funny because they talk about the, this hundred million dollar in, in heroin and then he's cutting it in order to quadruple its value. Yeah. But then whenever he sells it, I believe whenever you add it up, it's only like 200 million that he gets for it. Cause I think it's like 180 million and over yeah. two wire transfers and 20 million. In- <laughs> this is like a, it's like a, a trigonometry <laughs> test to get the, get the drugs right. <laughs> but I mean, essentially it's, it, at that point I had stopped caring. I was more of, <laughs> I want Martin to realize that Will's his friend. Just, just be friends, guys. I, I just want to. <laughs> But no, uh, and on top of that, you have his motivations. You do have uh, a really great performance coming out of Joey Pants, Joey Pants Leone, yeah. who, who you told me you didn't know was in the movie. He might be the one of the funniest people in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw his name in the opening credits, and it's like, oh, and I got excited because I was curious what what role he was going to play because I love him in everything that he's, he's awesome. In. He's awesome. You, you be you, and him, you, you be somebody else, but you be you. <laughs> Every line he has is just that. I mean, for a, you got to come in there. You're going. You're Joey Pant. You have to be an actor, and you're gonna have to essentially out funny and intimidate Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. And if there's one guy I think could do it, it'd be Joey Pants, and he does it tremendously well. Right, and and I I did not really expect him to be like the. Uh the um police uh captain that's yelling all the time but he really pulls it off and he and he pulls it off in a great way and you also just based on some of his other roles you almost expect him to be the the one that's that betrays them in the end but he actually plays it straight the whole time and it it actually pulls for them like Mm -hmm. it pulls pulls his strings and and it's like he's got the uh, internal affairs officer uh, shutting them down from csi like... from from csi las vegas isn't it Mar- 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 is it helgenberger i forget her name i just remember her from csi that's all i know <laughs> uh, i i don't know i don't i haven't seen that show but oh, yeah. it's like she shuts them down and then it, the second she leaves he's like just go do what you gotta do <laughs> I'll, I'll <come laughs> forget forget everything she just said and just commit every crime you can think of <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons i i, I guess I, i'm slanted toward that movie uh i I, I, everywhere they fil- they filmed that in Miami and that's like where I live right I, I grew up so a lot of those um, uh, we're watching the movie is like hey that's whatchamacallit's house or hey we took that road yesterday you know mm-hmm. that was like in high school that was like the big thing where they, they shoot it on Rickenbacker Causeway and uh, Port of Miami and all this other stuff so I, I, I it holds a, uh, a, a big place in my heart for that reason but again yeah if you start breaking down this movie in terms of plot you're you're looking in the wrong place you just gotta essentially hold on to the chemistry between the two leads and and as soon as you get i mean this is probably the uh especially the second one the last martin lawrence thing that i paid to watch i wasn't watching big mama's house (laughs) or national was a national security or blue streak i was watching those on hbo but i went i made it up an appointment to see this movie in the theater so yeah and and i think it's kind of funny too because I think this came out. I, I don't remember if this was after or during his run on his own sitcom Martin, but I remember whenever that was on TV, I I would pretty much hate watch that movie. That show. 
It's like Martin I is absolutely good. Martin is good. Oh, you don't like Martin because it's so. It's essentially just your mama jokes for thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was, but I just did not like his sitcom whatsoever. And but I still remember so much, like Shanene. <laughs> Yes, yes. It's I, just I, so I, ridiculous. And, BDB's and, brother man from the fifth flow with the four fingers instead of five. And yes, I remember all that stuff. <laughs> Martin was another one. I think I was on Fox. And I think, he was doing that. And I, was, I'm, I'm pretty sure Will was still doing Fresh Prince. Or he might have just ended Fresh Prince at that time. Yeah, probably. Because he, so. he definitely looks a little bit older than his Fresh Prince days. Yeah. So it was probably like just right after it ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he definitely, I like, I noticed it's, um, during one of the car chase scenes in the last half, it's like, there he is running down the street with his shirt off. Oh, off, sure. off. oh yeah. Slow motion Baywatch <laughs> run down, uh, Ocean Drive. Yeah. That was, uh, that's when I was like, oh, Michael Bay's. That's when Michael Bay, you can just see young Michael, old Michael Bay just trying to burst out of young Michael Bay. <laughs> because when, when, whenever you, you get a chance to watch Bad Boys 2. It's like it's on it, a great experiment is watching Bad Boys 1 then Bad Boys 2 because Bad Boys 2 is essentially the DNA of Transformers. And I'm not talking about the story. I'm just talking about the way Michael Bay shoots things where it's like super stylized commercial uh slow-mo actiony and compared to the first Bad Boys, which is kind of like in the same, you know, calm down a little bit. The, f- yeah, the second Bad still Boys gets, is crazy. He still gets to put in plenty of explosions. And, yes. And, of course, the giant explosion at the end. Yes, I, which I saw filmed. That was, I was, uh, that's by Opalaka Airport, which is right down the street from my house. I saw that when it happened. I was like, oh, my God, it's a big fireball. You can see it from, like, miles. So I was like, oh, my God. It's... But, yeah, yeah. Consider that explosion, which is awesome, and now triple it because that's Bad Boys Two. Everything that you got, you got in Bad Boys One, they they could they, they tripled in Bad Boys Two. It's 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 insane. So if they ever do Bad Boys Three, it's gonna be like the, the blow up the planet. They're gonna probably be in space <laughs> <laughs> fighting aliens. They're gonna combine Independence Day Two and Bad Boys Three. It's gonna be something like that. Uh, and and uh, Men in Black for good measure. Put, put Tommy Lee Jones in there. So make him be the police captain. Uh, Joe Pants uh, retired. Get get K in there. It'll be fine. Oh, oh, what was it that I heard that they were um, they were talking about uh, doing a crossover with Men in Black and uh, was it Twenty One Jump Street? Twenty One Jump Street. Yes, that's when <laughs> that was before the Sony leaks happened, and uh, I, I I'm pretty sure they've changed their mind when the, the public's response to that was what. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure that's not happening anymore. I hope to God it's not happening anymore. I don't know. That that would just be <laughs> incredible. It's like the the snake eating its own tail at the same. It's <laughs> like what what are you what are you doing? You're 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 cannibalizing your own stuff. Don't no. <laughs> it's essentially that's the. I think in the 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 trailer for Twenty Two Jump Street at the end, the trailers. That's like the jokes they were making. Like the next is we're gonna be in space. It's essentially the same thing. You're, you could have seen it as one that, that concept as one of those fake trailers they had at the end. Yeah, except that that's all oh, make it so perfect. It's like the the two of them, and and of course I'm coming at this because I have not. I've seen all three Men in Black movies, of course, but I have not seen either of the Twenty One Jump Street movies. But oh, uh, okay. it, it would be like the the two of them going undercover as aliens. <laughs> 
Because, at, okay, at the end, not to ruin anything, but at the end, 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 like at the credit sequence of 22 Jump Street, it's essentially a montage of possible sequels. And if you would have told me one of the possible, because they have everything from 23 Jump Street, they're in a cooking school and stuff like that. But like, if you would have told me one of those montages was a clip of them in Men in Black, that would have been funny. But if you tell me you're going to make an actual two hour movie about, about that, no, no, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> done. <laughs> Yeah, but like you said, that going back to Bad Boys, the chemistry between Will Smith and Martin Lawrence definitely makes this film. And and yes. I had no idea that they were going to do the whole trading places bit, and and <laughs> that the whole was, film <laughs> that was definitely yeah through the whole film. And and I did like I did like how Taya Leone does kind of figure it out about halfway through <laughs> the part with the picture the pictures in his house are all of him. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I I'm surprised. I'm try I was trying to figure out if she realized it at that point and if she was just playing along from there. She or she says if, that line. She says that line, I thought so when she figured it finally gets it. So I I she was she was very suspicious. And then when it all comes to fruition when the wife comes, she does Taylor Leone does say that line like I I figured as much. Well, I, go, I think the the scene where you can definitely know for sure that she has figured that she knows that they've switched places like there there's the hints like the with the pictures but um she kind of plays it gullible there's she doesn't really not anywhere that i noticed that she tips off the fact that she she knows she's she just thinks that it's kind of weird but i think the defi- definitely the the scene where she absolutely knows and is screwing around with martin lawrence is whenever they're she's in the bed and like playing with that string with her feet oh <laughs> And you think she's messing with him there? Yeah, oh, she's, well, she's I messing with him think there. But she's I... messing with him right there because she's like, um, she's like referencing of his like his character's actual wife, but in terms of being his partner's wife and and how good of a guy he is and how Mike Lowry is is the player and and he's. <laughs> And she is so messing with him right there. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, it, it, it's true. Uh, and the, the the correct pronunciation is Lowry. That's how you, that's how you pronounce it. Mike Lowry. Lowry. There you go. Perfect. There you go. You got to draw out the ah. <laughs> But no, yeah, I remember, I, I just brought that up because when Teresa Randall comes in and he goes, uh, I'm looking for my husband, and she goes, the short one or the tall one? The short one, and she says that line, figured as much. So she probably knew, but she couldn't kind of prove it, I guess? I don't know. The whole switching places thing was kind of just like a little motif, which I think was based on the the original concept, which it was supposed to be the Dana, Dana Carvey was supposed to be the Mike Lowry role. And then John Lovis was supposed to be the Mark, uh, Martin role. So I guess that was kind of the, although, the, although I can't, I cannot imagine oh my God, Dana Carvey a, trying to play a player, <laughs> but come on, you'd pay to watch that. You would pay <laughs> to watch that. Let's say we do, we reshoot bad boys one right now. And we put Dana Carvey and John Lovis in there. You're telling me I'm not getting $190 million opening weekend. Come on. I'm breaking records. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting Fifty Shades of Grey's numbers right there. Only if they have the scene where uh, John Lovitz is running down in slow-mo with his shirt out. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I wasn't sure about Taya Leone's character overall. Like, I, I thought that scene where she was messing with Martin was it was fun. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, she just... I don't know. She just played kind of stupid. Yeah, that, again, she's one of the... 
over time she she became one of the weak spots of that movie for me and when i first watched it i was it was more of the situation i was laughing at because it it led to that great scene where he's climbing up the damn uh, martin's climbing up the gutter to sneak in on the uh, (laughs) on that scene was essentially the situation where he handcuffs her Mm -hmm. but if you kind of watch that movie recently now it's kind of like tail only get this this get get out of the seat essentially watching that movie as we've said just pay attention to will smith and martin they are the film it's like 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 rush hour where it's jackie and chris tucker i don't give a crap about tom wilkinson's plot in rush hour i don't i don't care it's all about their chemistry and that they're the engine that makes that movie go yeah although i will say that not all of the jokes landed completely like especially with the whole trading places vibe of it like i i thought that that one of the earlier setups was really great whenever will smith was uh on the phone and she hung up and then he keeps going he continues the conversation it's like <laughs> so what are you wearing <laughs> that you didn't like that joke i, I, I don't no, know. i i did like that joke but i didn't like uh, later on whenever the the whole um scene that sets off him coming to the house whenever he calls and they're looking through the photo albums and it, he's like oh put it back in put it yeah, back yeah, in yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was just a little bit too far and too ridiculous <laughs> I, I don't know I, I do like him that him climbing the gutter muttering to himself it makes me laugh <laughs> got my babies in the house <laughs> I can't get no quality time but he can get quality time F that <laughs> That part to me is very funny, but I don't know. It, it again. It, one thing. One thing. If you do not like Martin Lawrence, <laughs> this is not the movie for you. <laughs> Essentially, again, it's it's built on those two leads, and this you're gonna see Green Will Smith. This is not Will Smith. This was like a, a departure for him because at the time he was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. He was the goofy, you know, uh, joke teller, wisecracker, and this is kind of mm-hmm. where he's now. Like you're saying, he's a man. He's not you, you, first time you get to look at him as an actual, not super serious, but take him as an adult essentially. Because even in uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, he's not. He, he, I think he went to college and graduated. We still just see him as this, as this wisecracking, you know, high school kid. But this was the first movie where I, I, I actually, oh wow, he's he, he can he can act a little bit. All right, I can take it. in a Michael Bay film of all things, unbelievable. Yeah, and and he does pretty much play the straight man to to Martin Lawrence's wisecracker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh even though he does get like a few a few jokes off, but most of them are pretty tame. Mm-hmm. And and I do think that that overall that 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 the whole drug uh plot <laughs> plot just... doing finger quotes here. Plot. Yeah. <laughs> like even from the opening scene it's like I'm not entirely sure what's going on with that that rocket sled through the the vent the ventilation oh yeah plant. robbing the the was it weren't they robbing police headquarters yeah uh, the, lockup? the evidence locker yeah it's it it's not uh it's not the greatest plot in the world in retrospect it's Although, although it is it is an interesting choice that they did kind of go into this where it's it's like in the middle of the story because they've already done this this 100 million drug bust 100 million dollar drug bust to which they that's that's the entirety of what we know about it yeah, you're right, because they could have made, the whole movie could have been leading up to them doing that, and they do it, get it out of the way in the first scene of the movie, so that was an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. 
And then when Bad Boys Two happens, I'm telling you, it's it's the complete it's a completely different plot. It's essentially just explosions, <laughs> explosions, and Megan Fox's debut as an actress, and uh, <laughs> Gabrielle Union, and explosions, and explosions. <laughs> yeah, and then like one one other part that's that kind of <laughs> doesn't make a sense. Like whenever the the drug dealer kidnaps Taylor Leone, and he's like, uh, I'm not going to kill her but if you mess with us then I'm going to kill her I'm going to keep her around for 4 hours it's it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever <laughs> yeah that's like gotta, she's not leverage she's at all. not it always bothers me when the guy goes I'm taking we need we need a hostage no, no yeah he doesn't even bother with that like he he tells the the cops like and he could have just killed her and told the cops that anyway. It, it makes absolutely no sense from the villain's perspective that that he would need to keep her alive for any reason whatsoever. Because <laughs> it's Taylor Leone, you can't kill the lead. I, I wonder. I would love to read the script because I wonder if she would have. <laughs> I wonder if she survived in the script. I have a feeling she might not have survived in the script. Yeah, and then and then they have the the moment at the end where Will Smith is going to kill the guy because he killed her his. His good friend, which they they kind of swept under the rug for the last half of the movie, but now all of a sudden it's it's like she's important again, and he's gonna kill him kill him in revenge. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, spoiler alert: shoot that guy seven thousand times. Yeah, <laughs> I think he shoots him seven thousand times. Yeah, with a handgun, with a handgun, by the way, you had seven thousand bullets in a handgun. He shot. Him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in the end, like it, it was. I mean, like like ninety nine percent of Michael Bay movies, it was a lot of dumb fun. Yeah, yeah. This is again. This is when I was like, I liked Michael Bay because I think after this, I have to. I think he did The Rock after this, and I love The Rock. And then Bad Boys Two. Then Armageddon, and then I think the island was in there somewhere, and then it went just off the deep end. It <laughs> just went way past the pale, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're listing all those movies, and, and I realized that I've seen practically nothing from Michael Bay except his Transformer movies. <laughs> now you get to see the genesis. We're, we're getting to the root of the DNA. We're getting to the DNA strand of Transformers. <laughs> Bad Boys is one of the strands of, D- of Transformers movies. Yeah, although I don't know, I'm I'm in no rush to see uh, Armageddon or uh, what was the other one? Pearl Harbor was that? Oh, him? No, 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 don't watch that. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't, don't. Pearl Harbor it, it almost makes Transformers one okay. <laughs> now, now understand what I just told you. <laughs> Pearl Harbor makes Transformers one okay. That's a, that's a woo, that's a bad movie. Well, I'm I'm one of those that I don't mind Transformers one that much. Mm, okay, uh, yeah, yeah I, then you'll really you'll really not like Pearl Harbor. It's like melodrama <laughs> mix. Like you, you, it's like if I was watching Saving Private Ryan, but instead of looking for Private Ryan, uh, Tom Hanks is gonna uh, have a love triangle with Matt Damon <laughs> in the middle of World War Two. That's essentially what's happening. <laughs> like, nah, we're just gonna put this World War in the background, and we'll just have this. Uh, fake Casablanca love romance thing going on here. It's 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 not good. But I do recommend The Rock because it's Sean Connery and uh Sean Connery's also and Nick Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. It's it, that movie is good. Yeah, of course. All right. Well I think that's uh, that about covers it for bad boys. 
We are going to take a quick break, and then whenever we come back, we're going to talk about the film that I had you watch for the first time, and I also watched for the first time, Whiteout. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk. Hello, Julie. What the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Download this show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. Uh, Whiteout came out in 2009. Uh, it's, of course, based on a graphic novel, um, and it stars Kate Beckinsale. She plays this uh, U.S. marshal who's stationed in Antarctica and on mm-hmm. the South Pole Station. And uh, she chose this job because it, it was basically a, an easy job where she wouldn't have to make any major decisions on, on crimes because she had this uh, traumatic event happened to her in the past. But she ends up having to solve this, uh, what eventually becomes like a triple homicide <laughs> uh, involving some... Uh, Nazi, Nazi diamonds and uh, was it Nazi diamonds or Russian diamonds? I can't remember. Russian, I, 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 one or the other. It's one or the other. <laughs> World War Two era mm-hmm. diamonds uh, that were found in in uh, Antarctica, and it's just this uh, this kind of thriller mystery uh, where she's trying to solve this this case um, on this. Uh, in the middle of Antarctica before this uh, storm comes and then whites everything out and uh, before winter comes uh, where there's six months of darkness where they don't have, where they're not able to get off the station until um, winter breaks. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know how you uh, experienced this movie, but at first I was told, the first time I heard of this comic book was uh, Free Comic Book Day years ago and they gave this like uh, an excerpt of this book out i think it's greg rucka and i was like oh wow it was all in black and white and it was like uh like a, a, I, I must have forgotten this because it was like uh, it seemed like it was a mystery and then when you told me that we're going to be talking about it and I, I had never seen the movie i asked somebody else who had seen it, i go hey what do you think about whiteout and he was like yeah it's a horror movie so i'm like going in there thinking there's <laughs> some kind of monster i'm like is this like the thing is this like what right and then i realized like like 20 minutes in i was like oh wait this is it's not a horror movie at all. This is like a murder mystery thriller. Yeah, and and I thought almost exactly the same thing because I, I again I uh, I pulled the trailer like uh, last week, and as I was listening and I as I was watching that and listening to that, it definitely gives it like kind of this uh, supernatural vibe to it, mm-hmm. where I was thinking that 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 it was going to be some otherworldly creature that was coming after them, but. I, about halfway through, I realized that no, there's not going to be any supernatural. I mean, it's a, it's all going to be grounded in reality. Yeah, uh, I I don't know how you felt about it, Bubbly, but uh, 
I think this movie, if it would have gone, I, I, I hate to make this comparison because it's so on the nose, the Fargo route instead of the overly stylized route, I think it would have been better. I, I, Dominic Senna, I should have known because he's the guy that did uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. He, I think he just over stylizes this, which is supposed to be just a, a supposed to be just a mystery movie. And I, I, when I'm crazy camera work, flashback stuffy stuff going on, it's just, it kept, fighting itself tonally for me. I don't know how you felt about it. Well, I I think overall I I liked it better than than I've heard other people who have seen it. Um but I I think most of that was just because I was drawn into to the mystery aspect. Mm-hmm. Um but I I can definitely see like after I watched it and kind of took a step back, I I can definitely see where it, it does make some weird choices. And and especially like at the end, where um, I will say, and and of course we'll be getting into spoilers, but uh, I would like let me ask you, when mm. did you realize that it was the doctor behind it all? Um, that's funny. I, I, I okay, this is what I was hoping. I was always hoping it was the doctor, but this is me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm weird with mystery, so I'm like, right when I was figuring who it was going to be i was like please don't be gabriel mocked because it would be so easy to make it the guy i've never heard of before flying in to be the cop guy who's the square jawed guy be the bad guy because it's so on the nose i go be tom scarrett you don't hire tom scarrett unless he's going to get something meaty so i kind of knew it really early on and then when they kind of did the false blind with uh spoiler alert the other guy, uh, the guy from Hawaii Five O, Alex O'Loughlin or whatever his name the, is, the the Australian, the Australian guy. I was like, oh, please don't let it be this because this that'd be the most anticlimactic <laughs> villain of all time. We haven't even established this guy really. And they they the set up a mystery, and then you find out that it's the guy that we've never seen before. <laughs> it's me. Remember me? I walked by you fifteen uh, minutes ago in the beginning of the movie. No, no, you don't remember me. But yeah, yeah, I, I was kind of hoping it was scared, and it kind of gave me a hint when he was. Uh, fixing her spoiler alert wound i won't get into that but uh right there i was like oh god it'd be great if he's the bad guy it'd be great because it's like bad guys usually in these kind of thrillers are usually very intimate it reminds me like james cromwell and uh uh oh god spoiler alert again spoiler (laughs) james cromwell and la confidential uh he's very like the intimate you know, it's almost like the Obi Wan Kenobi going bad thing. You know, he's mm-hmm. the, the mentor figure. I go, if it's Tom Scarrett here, I can kind of dig it. And, when I, and the thing about Whiteout is, I don't not like the movie. I thought the movie had a lot of potential, and I just wish it, another director's hand. This could have been good. like if you would have went the minimalist route, where you give me some more backstory to the character. The only really backstory we got was the one that I guess that counted, which was the Tom Scarrett and Beckinsale thing. Mm-hmm. Beckinsale's backstory, the whole uh, trippy flashback thing could have been handled way better. Yeah. I wish they would have just never shown it <laughs> and have her just explain it. I rather that, or, or, I know it's always show not tell, but that weird, it, it doesn't, it just didn't fit that movie for me, but the movie for me, I don't know. Yeah. It's like in a film called Wide Out and then all the flashbacks are in this weird sepia puke yellow. <laughs> 
I mean, have that be the first scene of the movie or just never show it. Have her just tell it because I, I, I think if you want to really work on the, the, the isolation of that movie, never show the outside world. Never take us out of there. Always keep mm-hmm. us in Antarctica and make it where we really like the characters. I mean, if they would have done a little bit more character work with Scared, which he has, a, I think he has enough for it to work as a decision. I just wish it would have made it more, give him more, give him, make him more of the, guess, keep us on that, have her go through a whole day of her routine before we get into, it kind of just goes into the murder mystery automatically, mm-hmm. and we never get any fill out of these characters, and Gabriel Mock showing up out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, it just, literally. Literally, hey, I'm I'm, very, I'm, I'm the spirit, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I just showed up here, <laughs> don't mind me. And, I, and I, it's funny, I love that guy, the guy, the actor, he's cool as hell, he was on a TV show I watched, so I, I kind of like, there's another reason why I was not, I was hoping he wasn't going to be the killer. Cause I was like, this would be too easy. It's so easy if he's the bad guy, which I give them a little bit of props for not making him the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't seen him in anything except for the spirit. So yeah, I, yeah. I did think that at least he was a lot better in this film than he was in the spirit. I, I would, if anybody's seen the spirit and that's the only, like you're saying the way you've ever seen Gabriel mocked, watch, uh, at least watch the first episode of a TV show called suits it's essentially he plays the he plays Tony Stark if Tony Stark was a lawyer. He's very he's a very good actor on that show. So it's like and I, I thankfully never seen all of the spirit, but I've seen enough to know it's not a good movie. <laughs> I couldn't get through it. I was like, yeah, I, I'm 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 out. I'm out. I can't get through this. But he's a good actor, so I was hoping they were gonna have him do something else than the you know stereotypical false blind bad guy. Tom Skerritt is the actor you get to play the bad. But then. You make him the bad guy, but I guess I guess it's just going against so many tropes. Is it going against a trope that they could have went because they could have just had him try and kill her, but he just says "eff it" and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was definitely the scene. It's like, okay, I get that that he's the bad guy, and and I get that it's a parallel because she had this reversal of trust in in her flashbacks where her mm. partner turned on her and and was gonna kill her. Or have the the drug dealer kill her in, in order to get a bunch of money, and now it's pretty much happening again, where this doctor is uh, turning against her. Although he's not really he never against her, yeah. um, he was turning against his other partners who who also got uh, too greedy and wanted to keep the diamonds for themselves. And mm-hmm. and one thing that I I do appreciate, but it's in a film full of uh, really obvious really glaring mistakes is uh, uh how they have the diamonds and they're actually uncut diamonds <laughs> <laughs> yeah because so many times they these in these kind of movies whenever they they have diamonds it's like they pull them out of the ground and they're fully cut diamonds <laughs> fully cut shiny diamonds <laughs> mm-hmm. i do i mean there's uh it, it, it kind of sounds like we're crapping on this movie. And I think this movie, I think you're right. It's a lot better than I was expecting. Maybe because I was expecting a dumb horror movie and I'm not a big horror fan. But there was a lot of scenes where I really, I like the um, trapped in the plane scene. I wish they could have been drawn mm-hmm. out a little longer. That's what I'm saying. In a, with a, with a, I think this movie needs like one more script rewrite and a good, like a, a better director. Yeah. And this movie could have been something where you kind of hold it up as one of those sneaky, like a, like a simple plan. Like that movie is one of those under the radar good mystery thrillers, you know? And this movie could have been that. It kind of just turned into a meh, like a not bad, but not good movie. Kind of just a meh movie. Yeah. And, and it definitely, 
kind of tread on some some good ground where there there were definitely there was a lot of hints of the thing in it where there's this underlying suspicion on everybody that's not <laughs> Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, yeah. At, at some point what if Kate Beckinsale was the killer? Did I just <laughs> blow your mind? No, no, that would have made no sense. <laughs> but it's it's great because you you do have this this like this killer that's covered head to toe in this coat that pretty much everyone has access to yeah. and there's no way to see who he is. Looks like the killer from Urban Legend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the same coat. I was like, oh, it's an Urban <laughs> Legend person. Uh, but no, no, I, I did like that, and I think if you would have give it, give it more, t- if they would have given it more time with the other characters on the base, the mm-hmm. the, the the guy who uh, she talks to, um, that flies off with, with all the people. It's like, man, I, this felt like it was rushing. Slow down a little bit. The movie is what an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah. I think with a be- one more script rewrite and make this maybe uh, let's add maybe fifteen more minutes of character development to some of these characters, maybe shorten out the the cast list because it has like all these people on the base. Make it a smaller base with people we can feel so that we we don't know who the killer is and we we can suspect everybody. I think it would have been better. I, I I don't think you needed the needed the the super stylized backstory. She could have told that over a campfire thing. When she could have told that on the plane. She could have told that uh any. Anywhere. Or just don't tell it at all. She could have just been. It could have been a throwaway. I mean, I kind of wanted her. I, I'm biased. I kind of wanted her to be Margie from Fargo, and <laughs> she never. She never did it for me because Margie from Fargo is. We don't really need a lot of her backstory other than she's pregnant and she's a good person. She's mm. the good of this evil world essentially, and you don't really need to go that far into her because she's such a good character. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think this. This could have been way better if you would have got some better hands on it. Yeah, and I I think one of the issues that I had with this movie quite a bit is the, the fact that it's set in Antarctica, mm. like where it's the the cusp of winter, and they they discuss about how cold it is and how dangerous it is, but we don't really get to see that very often. No, I mean we got it with uh, Beck and Sales. Uh, talking about Beck and Sales' hand, you mm-hmm. got that part. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. And they they do have one scene, which it's a great scene, a great little touch of special effects that um, that's really nice and subtle and, and really helps sell the cold. Is near the beginning whenever she opens the door, the wind blows, knocks over a cup, and the the, the water liquid freezes. in it freezes instantly, almost. Yeah. Yeah, I I do. Uh, I, again, if you are watching this movie, I, I mean, again, uh, I picked this movie because I I, I have kind of a, a uh, how how do I put this in nice terms? I have kind of a crush on Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> she's she's not ugly. Um, <laughs> she's in Pearl Harbor, and the reason I saw Pearl Harbor was because uh, she's not ugly. And they do this, re- but even me having this crush on her, they do this really gratuitous <laughs> opening shot of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, I noticed that. Yeah, so much. and and it's weird too because it's they they have this opening shot and they're following her from behind and it's like they're not. It seems like they're purposely avoiding showing her face for some reason. But yeah. then like she just there's not this any any sort of reveal. But then she just takes off all her all her clothes almost down to her bra and panties. And, I, I, was, uh, I was I was laughing because she's wearing the uh, she's wearing the alien panties, and then the next person you see is Tom Skerritt. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is this alien? What the hell happened? 
<laughs> so I was thinking it, it reminded me, but just because I've seen this more recently, was uh, um, the same kind of underwear in, in like uh, Gravity. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the pretty uh, the, though everybody got up in the uproar about where they wear diapers, they don't wear stylish <laughs> underwear and blah 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 blah. But yeah, it was kind of I I felt kind of uncomfortable because I was like, oh, this is. But Kate Bangasel is such a. If you ever hear any interviews with her, she doesn't she doesn't have any um. It's not modesty. She's cool. She doesn't mind. You know, she knows she's attractive, and she doesn't. She knows what they're doing. Maybe because it's less Wiseman directing her most of the time. Her husband, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's not. Uh, I, I don't think she. she she's not prudish. Be, yeah, prudish would probably be the word. So, but still, it was almost like, do we really need this shot? Uh, what What are we doing here? It It, it kind of undermined her as a. It's, it's, this it's U.S. marshal that she's it, supposed to be. Yeah, she's a U.S. Marshal, but she's hot. He's like, no, nah, we don't, we don't really need to go there. I mean, you could have taken that that scene out, and the movie would have changed at all zero. <laughs> so I mean, it, it, pay attention to more of the the character development than you know Kate Beckinsale's booty. That'd have been fine. <laughs> all right there. I mean, there's no. There's no like metaphor for her vulnerability or anything. It's just, look at, look I mean, at it's just like the Alice Eve shot in Star Trek. Yeah, yes, yes. And I mean, I love Star Trek Into Darkness, but that shot could have been taken out and it would have changed nothing. <laughs> it would have been nothing. It has no purpose to be in there other than, hey, we're going to put this in the trailer. And, and I guarantee the, you, they, 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 a producer said, hey, we got Kate Beckinsale. Why don't we just make her? Because honestly, if that role could have been played by a more. How would I put this nicely? Unattractive female actress, and it, you don't you don't have that shot. They think they have that shot because we have Kate Beckinsale. Let's show her off because we're gonna have her in a coat the whole damn movie. Let's show her off one time so we get some men in the theater. But that that no, we don't need that shot. It under it goes like it's pretty much short circuiting the purpose of the movie. Right, and the other thing that I noticed that's that's like the the whole Antarctic effect of this is that. They do spend most of the coat time where you can see most of her face, if not all of her face, and and it does not look like she's in negative sixty. Even no, at her, no, her nose would fall off. <laughs> <laughs> her nose would fall because you, you talk about the scene with the cup of water falling and freezing. I'm like, why isn't her eyeballs freezing that fast? <laughs> I don't know anything about the cold. Maybe a scientist will come on here and say, look, look, your eyeballs are freeze slower than water. But whatever. I'm just saying that you just show me a shot of a cup of water freezing literally instantly. And she's walking around outside like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, I'm good. And you just get the, the whole uh, – you can see her breath. That, that's that's how you <laughs> it's know cold. it's cold. <laughs> it's cold. I like the Tom Skerritt scene where he's explaining it. Like, you know, he has all the people without their coats on, and they're slowly dying in front of him. And he's like, <laughs> well, your, your core body temperature is dropping at blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but your face should be fu- – I'm walking around Florida. It's like uh, we're having a little bit of a cold snap. Not as bad as everybody else in the world. But uh, it's cold. It's windy. I'm wearing a scarf because my nose is cold. This is negative God knows how much to do <laughs> Your nose would fall off. There's just no way. You have to have a scarf. You should be walking around like the killer. Everybody should look like the killer. <laughs> yeah, it's like negative 60 Celsius. Oh, where, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to do the conversion. <laughs> yeah, get, let me get a calculator out here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty damn cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cold enough where you should have a little bit more coverage on your face. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't. But yeah, again, uh, I think this movie might... 
if it's on television, you can watch it. Don't buy this movie. If it's on Netflix and you got free Netflix, you can. I, I'd say you can watch it. I, it's not awful. As yeah, it, it's, I was told it's far it was from awful. an awful movie. No, it's not. It's just because I, I was watching it and and kind of like Bad Boys, uh, although it doesn't have the immediate likability factor. But mm. I was I was buying into the the mystery as I was watching it. it it's like it does keep you guessing for the most part to like trying to figure out who's the killer it it doesn't have anywhere near the the level of like the the thing does with the paranoia over who the killer might be yeah like, like, like it, i said it like does I said, not sell that at all no, it has no. hints of it in the beginning it did and then it kind of like it's you know she when she ta- when she okay the way she captures the killer is so again anticlimactic. It's like, oh, she just hits him upside the head with a thing, and then the next shot, he's tied to a chair. And I'm like, oh, well. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then he manages to get out of his zip die handcuffs. Who let him out? Did, 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 did Tom yeah. Scarrett let him out? I don't know. That's because it doesn't make sense. I, I don't know why he would let him out. I, I guess maybe it was supposedly a diversion. So okay, okay. If Tom Scarrett and him are partners. And he let him out. He wanted him to fly away with the. Di- oh, well, okay. He, oh, okay. That makes sense. He now. wanted him to fly away with the thinking candy. that he had the diamonds, but it was actually the jelly beans. That would have made okay. That makes sense now. Okay, because at first I'm like, why would he let him out? It makes no sense to let him out unless he was afraid that he was going to rat on him. But uh, whatever. It didn't. I, I, whatever. But yeah. Now that you tell me that, because I forgot about the jelly bean scene, which again, I. W- it was clever with the jelly beans, but it was so unclever of her opening it. Gabriel <laughs> Mock essentially says, hey, uh, that could be radiation. Uh, yeah, because they, they do set this whole thing up where <laughs> they make you think that it's like uranium they found uh, uranium in in Antarctica because it, it was the early stages of the, the nuclear testing in, in Russia and – that's why they were in Antarctica. So it could be like this uh, prototype nuclear bomb or or nuclear radiation. And he tells her he tells her uh, that could be radiation. She goes, that could be. Don't they label the cap? He goes, yes. Usually they label the cap. So that's why you're gonna open it because it doesn't have a <laughs> label. No, it could be any. What if it's what if it's toxic? What you have no idea what it is. It just it, if you tell me, Bubba Wheat, that there's a canister here, I'm not going to tell you what it is. It could be bad. It could be good. I'm not going to put a label on it. You think I'm opening that freaking canister? There's no effing way I'm opening that canister. No way. Yeah, and she's a cop for crying out loud. She's not a, like a regular person. She's a cop. And regardless, uh, I I wouldn't have eaten those jelly beans. No, I'm like, off the ground. <laughs> sour apple but yeah uh that that part there's sometimes where she's that that part right there made, made me laugh I'm like what are you doing don't open it but when <laughs> i saw they were jelly beans i was like oh okay okay that's funny but still why did you open that it could have been anything it could have been a bomb you have no idea it could have been sticks of dynamite yeah, yeah and and then whenever it does get around towards the end whenever she's figuring everything out it's like as a viewer i was definitely about two steps ahead of her as she's discovering all this stuff it's like whenever, uh, as soon as um, the the black guy was injured, uh, at that point I knew it's like okay, well, definitely we're, when we're down to this few people, it's I'm a hundred percent sure that it's Doc <laughs> that's behind it. And then whenever she realizes that there's the uh, the, the three pieces missing, and then she 
finds out that it's the bodies, and it's like, okay, well, uh, I'm sure that he hid the hid whatever it is in the bodies. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the way they, she... the, the, the way they reveal the stitch, it's kind of like, did it not match? Because I was like trying to see, is it going to be the same loop? Why would he even bring attention to that if it's the same stitch that he he put on her hand when she did the surgery on her? I I, I don't know. That that I think that could have been again handled better with a better hand. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, like, after she finds the diamonds, it's like, all right, and now Doc's going to be right behind her. But then the, the thing that I did not see coming, and it, it's still the most baffling moment for me, whenever he's like, whenever he goes on his whole self-sacrifice thing, it's like, have you ever seen the Aurora Borealis? And then he opens the door, and the... And just walks out without a coat, just to go die. Have you ever seen Chronicles of Riddick? No, I have not. Okay, there is a scene when you see if you if you ever don't rush. You don't have to. (laughs) Don't take your time. Uh, But there's a scene in Chronicles when I watched. If anybody who's listening to this has seen Chronicles of Riddick, there's a scene where a guy does literally the exact same thing with fire. Uh, It's like they're on a planet where if you're exposed to the sun, you essentially melt. And when I'm watching that, I'm, it's the exact same shot. I'm like, wh- wh- why Why are you killing yourself? Wh- why? I guess you didn't want to go to jail, I guess, but that's a horrible way to die. Yeah. <laughs> you're mean, a it... doctor. Go to your go to your office and kill yourself. Or kill her. Like, uh, uh, It goes against the trope of he's just going to kill her, but he's stuck there for... Uh, a, six what, months. Six months, so there'd be no purpose to kill her. But I can understand. It's just like... Kill, I mean, freezing to death is not a good way to go, man. Yeah. <laughs> Go go back to your lab, take some pills. If you're gonna, if, you, if that's what you want to do, let's say you've you've settled on I'm gonna kill myself, freezing to death with in in second. That's just oh no man no. Give me the pills. I go I go to sleep and I, I just won't wake up. That's fine. Yeah, and and she just stands there in the middle of this wind, letting it hit her. <laughs> it was supposed to be artistic, artistic and uh, poetic, but no. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, that, that part right there, I think it was trying to go against the trope of him just being the, her best friend being a cold-blooded killer. And I like his motivation of saying, I never want anybody to get hurt. That makes sense. But then him just to kill himself. Why even show up? I, I don't know. It, 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 I guess it makes sense the more I think about it. It's just, I don't know. It could have been handled better than that. Yeah. Cause if you, if you do think about it, I mean, at, at that point, um, I, it's possible that he hadn't killed anybody. I don't think he did. I don't think he killed anyone. Right. Because it, it seems like through most of the movie, it was, it was the Australian that had killed everybody because they, like, it was the, the three geologists and the Australian or the two geologists and the uh, Australian, mm-hmm. um, are on the plane. And then one of them's severely injured with the leg and, and, uh, the doc was with them because he's the one that stitched up the leg. Yeah. I, I'm assuming it'd be like, he's going to jail for at least theft, but because it's, he was his partner. This is me putting on my police captain's hat, me pulling a Dennis Franz here. He's uh, culpable for all the murders his partner made as well. So it, he would go to jail for as uh, long as the other guy did. So I believe it'd be like an accessory to murder. Accessory. They call that an accessory in the streets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> accessory for murder uh, but yeah but yeah I, I mean like i said throughout the movie i was interested i was following with the the twists and turns i thought for the most part it was um 
it was serviceable, but but again, like kind kind of just like Bad Boys. Whenever you start taking a deeper look at it, it everything really starts falling apart. Yeah, uh, there are some good sequences in here. Like I said, the plane escape sequence. Mm-hmm. I like the sequence with the ropes, uh, which was crazy. But um, th- again, I, I just think it needs. Uh, I, I, I wish they were to slow, just slow down, slow down. You had you you have some good thought, and I'm I have to read this book. I re- now I'm interested more in reading the comic book to see the differences of it, just to see what they changed for the film and whatnot. But uh, I think this could have been a really good pulpy uh, modern day uh, noiry kind of mystery, but it, it yeah, kind of falls. And I've heard that, that the comic book is really good, and yeah. and a lot of the mistakes that are made are mistakes made with with the script and the direction, and not mm. with the original story. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, is is there anything else that that you want to say about Whiteout? Kate Beckinsale is very, very, very pretty. <laughs> She's very pretty. And um, again, if you watch any interview with her, she is cool. She, You can have a beer with Kate Beckinsale. She's very pretty. I don't think she was right for this role. I think if you get a Tony Collette in this role, you get a better movie. Yeah. That's, that's just me. I could see that. But uh, it was definitely interesting. I, I, did, I didn't know any and i did for the most part like where it was going i just didn't think it got all the way there whenever you got to the end mm-hmm. uh, all right well i'd like to thank you for talking with me today it was a, a good conversation and a, a fun couple movies um so why don't you go ahead and remind everybody where they can find you online uh i'm at uh at trying to be djv on twitter um our main show's twitter is at simple tweeters we're at simple uh simplicityreviews.net and uh as, as always we're also on the corner sell, flipping signs selling sandwiches <laughs> <laughs> and as always i am bubba wheat and you can find me on twitter at bubba wheat you can also find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com. Uh, you can find me at channelsuperhero.com, my more recent venture where um, me and a uh, team of writers take a look at all things superhero on TV. And I also run a couple other Twitter accounts. If you want to follow um, more things about this podcast, you can find it at FilmWise. And if you want to follow uh, news and, and things about uh, the superhero television shows that more and more are popping up every day. You can Daredevil looks it. awesome. <laughs> Daredevil yeah. looks awesome. <laughs> you can find me at ch underscore superhero for the uh, channel superhero Twitter account. And if you want to know what two films we'll be talking about on the next regular episode, go ahead and listen through to the end for the mashup trailer. Until next time. Let's play a game. I make it America, man. So my blue. This is just the beginning. Wasn't a lunatic. See you in hell. Oh, be serious, would you? Everything. It was destroyed. I'm